It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW, Sitka. Today is Tuesday, July 19. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this is Raven News. Mayor Stephen Eisenweiss is the first candidate to file for office in the 2022 Sitka municipal election. Eisenweiss is completing his first two-year term as mayor of Sitka, and he's filed for another round. KCAW News will connect with candidates as they file. We'll also publish detailed bios of the candidates and their answers to some of the pressing policy questions facing municipal government this year. That'll be on our website at kcaw.org. In addition to the mayor's seat, there are two open seats on the Sitka Assembly. There are three seats open on the Sitka School Board, a three-year term, a two-year term, and a one-year term. Filing for municipal office in Sitka closes on Friday, August 5th at 5 p.m. Candidate packets are available from the municipal clerk on the third floor of City Hall. A proposition likely to appear on the Sitka ballot this fall asking voters to approve withdrawing $8 million from the Municipal Permanent Fund may already have its first no vote. Sitka Senator Burt Stedman has come out in opposition to the withdrawal, which would then be used to build a marine haulout. Stedman has previously held a seat on the committee that oversees Sitka's local permanent fund. He thinks tapping the fund would set a bad precedent. I'm not personally excited about pulling money out of the Sitka Permanent Fund for the boat haul-out. I think there's other ways of, of putting that project together. And I'm not sure that the city netted $8 million out of the hospital anyway, because I think there was a significant pension liability that we're still paying for. So I don't think it's a net $8 million. I don't know what it, what it is, but the net's a lot smaller. So I think we need to work on that. Stedman is not opposed to a publicly funded haul-out. In fact, he thinks Sitka is ideally situated with good access, flat land, and the necessary infrastructure to support a marine services industry. Although the state doesn't have a matching grant program for haul-outs in the same way that it does for harbors, Stedman thinks the money could be found as it's been found for other communities. To get help from the state, you have to have more of a package. Huna has a travel lift, but they don't have the physical space and they don't have the support services. So it doesn't, it's not as beneficial as it should be. Wrangell has two big travel lifts. They have the, the uh, space and they've got, you know, a, a fairly well-developed, not finished, but a fairly well-developed yard that the state has put about $16 million in, as I recall, through the capital budget. And it took several years. I think that model is much more workable uh, and deliverable, you know, to get state assistance and some of the other alternatives. You can't put, you know, a dozen folks together, fishermen or processors or whatever, uh, and then go to the state and ask for a grant of $10 million or whatever number, $5 million, and then expect to get a check. Stedman says that it's important to move the haul-out onto the state's capital improvement project list, where projects are ranked and then funded in order. During lean times, not many capital projects are built, but during boom times, like now, projects get checked off relatively quickly. But maybe not quickly enough for Sitka, which has been without a haul-out since March. Sitka's permanent fund is there, and there is an acute need for this infrastructure. So why not just grab the cash and build? Well, clearly it's more expedient to grab the cash from wherever you can, by gunpoint or otherwise. But it's more involved than just 
putting up a or buying a travel lift. There's just a lot more to it. That's just a vehicle to get the ship on the on the beach. And the government is not quick to respond to virtually anything. You know, we've got our cycle, our, our legislative cycle. We could go back to $70 barrel oil, and we wouldn't be building much anything anywhere. You know, it's also hinging on the, on the oil price. So that's something that the local people, you know, the Sitka voters will decide that what they want to do with the permanent fund, but not too dissimilar than from the state permanent fund. I'm not uh, an advocate of overdrawing the permanent funds because once you open the door, it's just too easy to take more and more out. Stedman says that Sitka could also apply to the Alaska Industrial Development Authority for funding, but Ada will want a business plan and they want it to function. That's been a sticking point in the project from the beginning. Hauling boats doesn't necessarily pay well or even break even. The money comes from providing services to boats that are already out of the water. Says Stedman, quote, one of the challenges of a marine haulout is the business model itself. Bert Stedman represents Sitka, Wrangell, Petersburg, Ketchikan, and surrounding communities in the Alaska State Senate. Senator Stedman recently sat down with KCAW News to discuss a number of issues, including the state permanent fund, the budget, the ferries, and the status of the Catlian Bay Road. You'll hear his thoughts on these topics and others in stories over the next few days. Most businesses in southeast Alaska say a lack of workforce housing is hurting their economic outlook. That's according to a recent survey of 440 businesses in the region. Coast Alaska's Angela Denning reports. The annual survey looks at how businesses are faring in the region. And while they're generally optimistic after two pandemic years, the region still faces economic headwinds. In this year's survey, 72% of respondents indicated that housing is their number one problem. We've just been struggling. Jaylene Owen is with the Hames Corporation in Sitka, where a region-high 88% of businesses say a lack of workforce housing is weighing on profits. The family-owned company has several stores from groceries to gas and employs 150 people. Many are renters on a fixed income, and that's a big challenge. There's just no place to rent. My employees were leaving me and telling me things like, I can't afford to live here. At the worst point last year, Hames had 40 open jobs it couldn't fill. Owen says the corporation has tried to sweeten the deal for workers. They've given three raises in the last year and a half and might offer a fourth. They've also beefed up the employee discount, taking a hit on their own profits. But they're still stretched thin. I have employees that are pulling 120 hours of payroll because they put in 40 hours of overtime on top of their 80 because there's no workers here. I I don't see a solution. That's Scott Wagner, manager of Ensera, Northern Southeast Regional Aquaculture Association. It's a nonprofit that runs salmon hatcheries that supplement stocks in Southeast. And it's based in Sitka. We have two different housing issues, I guess. One is we have this peak need in the summer, which is hard to find short-term housing in the summertime in Sitka. That's really hard. But then the long-term housing issue is employees, especially entry-level employees, being able to find affordable housing for the year. Ensera employs 30 to 55 people, depending on the season, and they provide bunk housing for some of them. Wagner says he's running into the same issue as a lot of regional employers. I'm trying to think how many times, you know, we had a position come open and offer somebody, and then they tell us a week later, you know what, I just looked into it, I can't afford to move there. 
Housing isn't the only economic problem affecting the workforce. Affordable child care is another one. The pandemic and inflation have also been a big hit to economic prospects. But housing should be a solvable problem, says Robert Venables. He's the executive director for the Regional Economic Development Organization, Southeast Conference, which commissioned the survey. The housing shortage and challenges is so pervasive that it's impacting almost every single economic sector. It doesn't matter if you're in tourism or construction or healthcare or retail. Everybody is struggling not only for the workers, but a place to put them if you can find them. It's a complicated issue. Most towns in Southeast are on rocky mountainous islands with limited road systems. There are only so many places to build. The region also relies heavily on summer tourism, which means more housing is needed for seasonal workers. But short-term rentals are also taken up by tourists themselves. Still, an answer to the housing problem is needed, says Venables. That is definitely a challenge that has to be addressed if we're going to thrive as, as a region. But so far, solutions are elusive. Reporting in Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. Alaskans who find themselves in a mental health crisis can now call or text 988 to access a trained crisis counselor. Support is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week to individuals of all ages. The three-digit number became operational in Alaska and nationwide on July 16. Leah Van Kirk, statewide suicide prevention coordinator with the Alaska Division of Behavioral Health, says 988 is for anyone that's experiencing emotional distress, mental health crisis, substance use crisis, thoughts of suicide, and also for someone who maybe has a friend or loved one who they're worried about. As reported by Lisa Fu in the nonpartisan Alaska Beacon, callers in Alaska using the three-digit number from a 907 area code will be connected to Caroline, Alaska, based in Fairbanks. Counselors are trained to respond to a crisis, provide emotional support, and connect callers with local resources. Confidential support is available to anyone, including non-English speakers and those who are deaf or hard of hearing. In 2020, the suicide rate in Alaska was 28.1 per 100,000 people. That's more than twice the national average, according to Van Kirk. That same year, suicide was the second leading cause of death overall for youth and young adults ages 15 to 34 in Alaska. Part of transitioning to 988 also involves coordination with 911 dispatchers. They can transfer calls that don't involve a medical, fire, or police emergency. Van Kirk says this reduces the need for a law enforcement response when someone is struggling with a mental health crisis. Although 988 should become the go-to number across the state, the numbers for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline and Care Alaska will still work. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this has been Raven News.